0: Fast Forward Productions, the women are speaking. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast, an honest account of actor life, plus a few lessons I learned in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine. And today, I am joined by a colleague, an internet friend, an acting coach and a great man, Dewan Johnson. You may have seen him on the internet in the acting space. He shares a lot about self-tapes and auditioning and being an actor and being a coach. He has a pretty stacked resume, if you haven't looked at it. And we kind of get into how he got to that point today. We talk about what this career looked like four years in, where it looked completely different than the way he had anticipated. We talk about the use of his degree in his actor work and what was missing for him in terms of actor business. We talk about the long game of the process and how he actually physically prepares to be on set and the choices he makes before he shows up on a set. And what is it like and what does it mean to him to be called a delight on set? He has done 54 episodes of Bosch, plus potentially more in the near future in Bosch Legacy. And yes, that was also a show I worked on, so it's really cool that we've been on the same show. He is such a professional sharing the ins and outs of that process. Cool thing. It started out as a co-star, a one-day co-star. And originally, the role didn't even have a name. So let's talk about how you get from a no-name co-star for one episode to 54-plus episodes of a show. And Dewan was kind enough to talk about something that I get questions about from you guys all of the time that I have no business answering. I got to ask him what it was like to be a Black gay man in this actor world, how it's shaded or not the roles he's gotten when he decided to come out and his process for working as a character actor in this business. I am floored, honored, and so impressed with Dewan, and I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy. Duan Johnson. This is exactly how I anticipated starting a podcast with you. It was a big laugh because you're just such a joyous person on the internet, Dewan. Truly, as someone who's been in the business for a while, how do you maintain this level of joy? I don't know. It's you just I feel like you're always smiling unless you do like a really salty Instagram video in which I'm usually like clapping behind the screen.
1: <laughs> we'll talk about that too. But I want everybody to know that like Sam just gave me a countdown and I got excited about a countdown, which means that I'm probably like one of those actors and they're like, "All right, we're on in 3." And I was like, "Getting ready." It was ex- it was exciting for me just to do that. <laughs> you know, I there is not any toxic positivity with me. It really kind of is who i am and i think that is a very interesting thing for people because people are like are you are you always this way i'm not you know i'm not always this way i i have my moments my kids definitely make my head want to explode the industry sometimes make my head want to explode but since i've done a lot of work on myself with my therapist and everything i think i just go back to all is well because all is well and so i'm usually just in that world, smiling because of that, and I, I'm, I'm just really thankful for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, according to your IMDb, all is really freaking well because you, my friend, have quite a few credits. How long have you been professionally acting?
1: Well, if my mom was here, <laughs> she'd say I've been you know acting since I was eight, th- causing a scene. You know, I have been out here in Los Angeles since I want to say 2002. 2002. Uh, That would be 20... uh, Sam's making me do math in public, y'all.
0: I'm making you do math live. Let's see it. I kick it off with a question of like, how are you happy? And then my second question is, do a math. math,
1: Y'all, I think that's 21 years I've been out here professionally acting. Mm -hmm.
0: That's amazing. Okay. So take me back to Dewan, 2002. What did he expect this to look like?
1: I expected to be discovered at a gas station. I expected to come out of theater school. I went to University of Florida. Then I went to grad school in Colorado, Colorado State University, which is the whole story in itself. But I expected to come out here in 2002. And I mean, I was being a little modest, given the lease into 2003, you know, to discover me, but I expected it to jump off a lot faster. And I have to say that was a hard reckoning for me that it was moving a lot slower. I joke often that I came out of college playing, I, I was Hamlet. I literally played Hamlet, to be or not to be, you know? And I came out here thinking that I was hot poop on a rock. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I yes. was the poop, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can say the shit. I'm totally fine with that. I was, I Unless was, you want your kids to listen to this. <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no. I was, I did, I did. But then I got out to Los Angeles and realized I am in a, in a sea of Hamlets. Everybody played Hamlet. And 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 it was just, it was it was a little bit disheartening for me.
0: So what did you do? Did you come out here? And so the scene in 2002, is obviously exceptionally different than it was now. You making your right way out here, you had tons of school behind you. Can yeah. I ask, did you have student loan debt? Of course. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Yeah. You come out to LA, no one's picking you up at, you know, the gas station. So what did you do?
1: Well, that's a great question, right? Because I think one of the things I like to share is that I didn't have a a sister, cousin, baby's dad who was an agent or that I was really picking up and moving out here. My family didn't know anything about the arts or anything like that. There were a couple of friends that I had gone to theater school at University of Florida with that I lived with when I first got out here. But we were kind of like the blind leading the blind. We didn't know what to do. And I followed my friends like, and I was like, I just go to this acting class and then I'll go here and I'll go. And it it was really just a a lot of trial and error until I kind of just said, this isn't working. What I'm doing isn't working. And it didn't work for a very long time. I would say, (laughs) I would say, I would say about four years out here with when I, when I, when I got out here and I just did not, you know, we didn't know we were, we were in classes where people were just crying a lot. You know, and they were like having deep breakthroughs. And I thought that was great. But I was like, this is not what I came out to do. This is not how this ends. And I had to get a job to survive. I was working at this place called French Connection United Kingdom. Thank thank you for hiring me if you hear this. It was (laughs) like this great place. And I was folding clothes and I'll never forget it. I come out of school and I was folding clothes and I was crying and I was bawling. It was late at night. It was on the Santa Monica Third Street. And I was crying because this was not what I thought this would look like. This was not, let me be even clearer, Sam. This was not what my university prepared me
0: for. What did they prepare (laughs) you for?
1: you know what? I'm not going to knock my university because I think what they did do well was prepare me discipline. I have a lot of discipline as an actor and you know, I know how to dive deep into characters and do that. So I think that's what they did. Great. Nothing compared to to the business side of things. Absolutely nothing. I thought again, I didn't, I did not know nothing. And I'm just being honest, like the stuff that they did, they did well with that part. And I did, I'd have a love for acting. I still have it because of the university, but other than that, nothing.
0: It's so funny because so often I hear people talk about, and you probably hear this too, like the lazy actor trope. And I'm like, I don't know a lot of lazy actors. I'll be honest. They all fell away because the people who are left, like we love doing the craft work. We love taking a scene, finding a character. Like that is, that's just like the, you know, like cream center of the whole cookie. But the, Stuff that you can't really teach so much to a certain extent if you haven't been here yesterday Mm -hmm. is what you're talking about is like living this life. What kept you here when you're folding clothes, crying at night, not really sure what you're doing with acting? Like what what kept you in the business? Because so many actors, especially right now in the strike climate of like this pretty dry summer that we're probably going to have. I mean, knock Mm -hmm. on wood, maybe by the time this podcast comes out, we're (laughs) – reaching for an end, end game. But what kept you going and how did you turn this ship around? And yeah, I know it wasn't instant.
1: No, it was not instant. A ship is really big, right? And it takes a long time to kind of maneuver, like, you know, turn around. I want to go back in real quick and say that, you know, one of the things that also my university didn't do is is tell me how to translate theater, which we were in to television and film. Right. And so that was another thing that I had to get my head around not only the business side of acting, but also, you know, we were doing like cat on a hot tin roof or Shakespeare right. stuff. And like, and then they're like, now audition for The Shield. And I was like, what? And I, yeah, so yes, it's
0: also, like audition for this McDonald's commercial, and, and I mean, had I'm just like, done like, Macbeth. <laughs> like, what? Oh.
1: Here's a little tangent for you and a little fun one that my, I remember the first time I went in through a casting director and I, I'm a classically trained theater actor and they were like, great, great, great job. Can you bring it down a little bit? Is was the note. And you'll never guess what I did. I just started, I was like, oh, cool. He just wants me to whisper a little bit. And I did the audition again in a whisper and I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, love,
0: he just- I did not look it just love that wow. you brought the volume down. No, I love this tangent because I'll tell you a similar story. I remember going in for a commercial audition when I was first in LA and it was like, and I, it was like crest or something. And I kept thinking back to my theater training and I was like, what's my secret? <laughs> a commercial so I gave my character a secret that like, she wore like headgear at night or something like that. And like, that was, what? Did it didn't help with the auditioning for this two line role? <laughs> no, it just made me more stressed out and in my head. But like, I thought that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah.
1: I thought it was, I, I really, really did. I think it's really cool that you said, like, you don't write a ship immediately, right? And 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 that's important. You know, that four years that I said that was there before anything really kind of started happening for me, I got a job as a bartender, which was a an expired belief that I just went with my friends and they were like, you got to get this job in the restaurant industry. And I feel like that was soul draining also to me. You know, it was right after I was crying in the, in the, in the back room of French Connect United Kingdom. And I think what just kept me going was that I believed my vision and my belief that I would make it, to be completely honest. But I didn't know what I was making it anymore towards, if that makes sense. I had this dream to be on television and I never refined the dream. I was just kind of like, I'm just going to put my head down and we're going to keep going. And I think that was a real big thing. So dumb luck. I would say what kept me going I I was just being stubborn didn't want to move home like you know and I was on this train and I really just you're making me really think about this I didn't know how or to get off of it I was just being stubborn and I think if I had taken a second and really given it any deep dive thought I might have moved home and so I just went in
0: something I get questions about a lot is The big break. How do I get a big break? How do I break it? You know, and I am of the belief, and this can Mm -hmm. be a dialogue if you disagree, that that isn't really a thing anymore. If you're not young or like got really lucky at like age 10 with like a Nickelodeon show or like a Netflix show or something like that, I kind of don't think that even then those kids have been here for a while. I don't really believe in a big break. How do you feel about this as a coach, as an actor?
1: It's great. The big break. I, it sounds like you're almost, and correct me if I'm wrong, atta- the, when you hear that, as a big break is attached to some type of age. Because I feel like you can have a quote-unquote big break like Morgan Freeman had in his 40s, right? But what I initially translated what you said in my mind to big break was that thing that catapults you.
0: That's where my head is at. The role that changes everything.
1: I think that is a honestly, if we're being really, really honest, everyone, that is one of the things that will lead you to being jaded and bitter, and probably maybe depressed, (laughs) point to myself in this industry, that thought of this big break, because it you can do some really big stuff here, honestly, and it could be up on billboards, and you can be like out there, and then you can't get arrested in this town. You can be number four on a call sheet. I remember I, I had my biggest thing that I did for MTV, the, the Pedro Zamora story. We were out, we were in, we were in TIFF, which is Toronto Film Festival. We were out and doing it all. And I remember thinking, this is gonna be it. People coming up to me, giving, uh, saying that I would like to rep you, or you know, like big agencies, big. You know, it was great. You get to parties and all that stuff like that. And then when it comes down, like nobody's there like it's it's just, it's just a really big interesting thing or when i booked 24 i was like this is going to be the thing like this is you know, i'm out there there's been a lot of those what is gonna pop doesn't always pop <laughs> or doesn't always sustain you so you have to have a different perspective or a different way of approaching this industry everything can be your big break if that makes sense if we change it on that Oh, I'm excited for this. This is awesome. That's how we start looking at it now. Or, you know, great. I, you know, I did a Super Bowl commercial not too long ago, and everybody said to me, "You don't seem as excited about it as we are." What they thought was I was not taking it in or I was just not receiving all the praise for it. And I just said, "No, I've been in this industry long enough to know that this is just a blip on the radar." I'm going to continue to promote it and put it out there. But I understand I can't get too high or I can't get too low about this. Because yes. you guys praising me for this, you should also be praising me like you said that I've been here for so long. You should also be praising me when I've just, I've been out on 30 auditions and nothing's booked. Like all of that stuff should be. So I can't take my praise off of just when you say, oh, now you see me on the Super Bowl commercial, which we we can get into down the road. But like I only made $3,000 off of Uh uh, yep. you all you have, have to, to watch this that. you have to watch the video of this wherever this is posted because Sam's face is like it just melted and she was like I want to go here I want to go there I want to go there's so many places you want to go isn't that true
0: <laughs> yes because I you as you said that I've so I booked two big commercials so far this year and everyone's like you are you must be bankrolling and I'm like they're only playing on streaming it was two mediocre size checks not even for rent.
1: We're thankful for them, everybody. We're I love it. Them, we're thankful for love them, it. but we're being honest about it. We're being yeah, honest. Yeah,
0: because if this commercial would have been 10 years ago, you know, it would have been our rent for a year. For a year. Yeah. <laughs> so to see, yeah. The, to see the differences and actively, like I started in LA 12 years ago. And so I've witnessed a very quick turn of that. And that has, you know, that's about corporations. It's about union negotiations. It's about me learning to show up in my union. But there's a lot of pieces to that. But that being said, it's like, so it's it's hard to mitigate that feeling. But also when I was at that stage you were talking about earlier, when you were working your side jobs, I would have paid to have been on a set. I would have paid mm. money to, to I, I would give a production two grand to give me a co-star. So because I couldn't do that, what I did instead was give all of my money to every opportunity I found that felt like it guaranteed me an outcome. So the teacher who was like, I can truly change your life. The the guru person, the agent who was like, I think this will really turn your game around. The expensive headshots, the whatever. Like I tried it all because I was looking for an answer. Did you ever go through a stage like that?
1: Yeah, and you know, the dad in me or just the friend that you, know, you are in my hair, Sam, I just wanna say, that I I saw your post the other day and my heart went out to you. I'm so sorry. Oh, for that- my agent. That- yeah, I know you're yeah, over that, it. That old, old it agent, yeah. I know, I know you're over it. And I was just but like, we can I'm be sorry. Sad.
0: We can be yeah. sad for little Sam, who was yeah. like over so it. broken at that moment. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And I so I just,
1: that. I felt that. I felt I wanted to say that when you brought that up. Yes, I was looking for an answer. You know, gosh, I why wasn't this hitting? I thought I was too black or not black enough. I thought mm. I was not act, straight acting. Like I didn't, I was too feminine. I, all of the things I thought... And I tried to correct all of that stuff. And, you know, (laughs) gosh, I just look at everything and I was just so, I I don't want to say lost because that wasn't it, but maybe it is, it was lost. I was just desperate. I just wanted somebody to tell me what I needed to be or do to book. When I realized one of the things is if you can really really hone in on you who you are and this is going to sound so like eh, but really who you are and trust that that really is the secret sauce it really 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 i don't know how else to say that i know it sounds really hokey but like if you can just do you and do what you do and trust and no, we should be normalizing that you are not going to book every role And if we start there by saying, hey, I understand that I'm not going to book every role, even though I was a bartender for 12 years. And this says, oh, we're looking for a bartender who was there for 12 years that has a blue shirt on, that has all that stuff. You're like, this is my role. But what I want you to know is there is somebody in a parallel universe saying the exact same thing. Actually, there's 50 people who are going in for that audition is like, I was a bartender too for 12 years, or I was a, like, and, and it's okay. Only one of us can get the job. So all I can do is go in there. And I can say, I can be me and I can understand that this might go my way and it might not. And it has no bearing on how amazing I am. And that's something it took me 21 years to get to. So I want to go back to Sam, your analogy in my mind, thinking of a cruise ship, how big those cruise ships are. And I heard this analogy, and it keeps coming up when I keep talking to you, is that if somebody falls overboard, they don't go back and get them. And I was like, why? Was like, Can you imagine how much it takes to turn a whole ship around? Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. And I was like, I know. Everybody out there, that probably send lifeboats or something like that. They're not going to leave them. I, a
0: part of me is like, between COVID and this <laughs> sentence, I don't know if I could ever get on a cruise ship after this. <laughs>
1: I'm just saying that like please don't look at my end result that we've mm-hmm. been going at. And that's what I'm saying, right? This is something that yeah. I had to course correct so much to get here. And after being on a show for seven seasons, even then I still had to be like, who am I? What yeah. am I bringing to this?
0: Well, we were on the same show.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we never we never were together. Dewan done like a bajillion episodes. So 54 episodes of Bosch. And Iron Bosch Legacy, which is yep. the spinoff slash continuation of the same show. And I wanna know, as someone who struggled, has had all the side jobs, did not get discovered, did not have his big break, when you started this process for this show, where were you at in your career mentally and also physically? And tell me how it felt.
1: Yeah, great question. Again. Jeez, you're killing it.
0: Thank you. I'm very good at this. <laughs>
1: you're, you're you're I feel like you you know what? You should have a podcast. <laughs>
0: I should. Let me think. It's a great advice. That's some great advice. <laughs>
1: You know, I, at this point in my career, I remember being at a place where I had done a bunch of Co-Stars. I think I was on my like seventh or eighth Co-Star. And in this part in the in the industry, we were hearing a lot of, if you've done too many Co-Stars, you got to tell your team that you don't want to do anymore so you can upload to a guest star and beyond. And I was there with that. I had done it. And I, not because of that, I wanted to stop saying, do you want fries with that? That's why I stopped doing co stars. I didn't want to be airport man number two anymore. I wanted to do more. And so I wanted to step back. I did the same thing when I was doing background work. No, you know, again, no dissing to anybody who's doing background work. I was, I did it. I did a couple of times, like, this is not for me. I know where I want to put my energy, my manifestation powers at. That's where I wanted to put in those places. And so there, when we got this call to do Bosch, I was for uniform man, number one, (laughs) uniform officer, number one. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I was like, you know, we've talked about this already. And they went back, got me a name, I did it, and I didn't think it would turn into this. I had no idea, but I just showed the F up. I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. I'm opposite the number one on the call sheet, Titus Williver, and I'm going to give it my all. And I, this is a little thing, I don't know if I've said this anywhere else, I was so naive, even though at that point I had done a ton of co-stars, at that point I had booked my first feature film and all that stuff like that, I didn't know how, and this is something you do so well, and I didn't know all of the, you have a a PDF or something like that, all the words about co-stars and billings and stuff that you do. What's that?
0: Actor dictionary. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. You have an actor dictionary. And I think to take it a step further, I didn't understand that number one on the call sheet was like, also maybe a producer. So I went on that set knowing that I was a co-star. It was going to be a day, but I was like, I'm just as awesome as he is. He's just before, right? I, and I went there and I just there and I just, I was like, I killed it. And I went in there and he says to me at the end, Titus is like, he's like, I was like, thank you, Titus. I'll see you later. And he was, and he was just like, we'll be seeing you around. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he was number one on the call sheet. And yeah. you know, there and and it, it show up, and they just showed up, and he just meant what he said, and I just kept doing it after that, more and more, more and more, more. And I think the thing that is awesome about that story is sometimes we look at those billings and we think we have to play small. We look at those billings and we see co-star or we see one-day guest and stuff like that, and we think that we don't. We have to like be meek and stuff like. Show up on set. They want all of you. And what I did was, you know, from that point, I didn't I didn't know, but I just showed up fully. And by showing up with myself, they saw me and they were like, that's somebody who can act and that I want to be around and let's bring him back for more.
0: When this started to, it started as a one day co-star and as mm-hmm. in, they were like another episode, another episode, what was going on inside your head? Were you like, every time I'm on set, I'm assuming this is my last time. Or were you like, something was happening here?
1: Yeah, you know, again, yeah, it was it was really beautiful, and I think I was also in that fever pitch. There's also a thing that if you are not clear on your vision, when you get around, I like to call it the the cult of average or the group actor, right? Think that you get on set and there's this like rabid, there's this like frenetic, there's like this energy that you're like, I got to do this, and I'm gonna, or they're not gonna bring me back and all and stuff like that, and I and I just didn't have that. I was like, great, they love what I do, so here's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna keep doing it. And I just made sure that I was on point every single time. And it wasn't that it was my, I thought it would be my last, I also thought like, if it's my last, I'm gonna leave a good taste in your mouth. You know what yeah. I mean? That's the way I kind of thought about it. And you know, and I did six episodes that first season, and then the second season I did two, Episodes, and I was like, "All right, cool. I'm just going to be grateful for this. I'm going to be grateful for this and move on." And real quick, I'll say two things about that. One, my business mind was already going. If I've already done six episodes, two in the next season—that's eight episodes. I can already was thinking that I could parlay that into more. And that's what a lot of actors aren't thinking. I have enough footage. I have a, a show that people know about that I can parlay into more by this time. Great. I'm going to do that. If, if I've done nothing else, I have great footage. I can move on. From and the second thing I would just say is by showing up and being myself and really, really, really putting my best foot forward, I was a delight on set, a delight. Mm. Yeah, you know
0: what, what does I mean? it mean to be a delight on set?
1: So a lot of people might think that means I'm kissing ass or anything like that. That was not it. I actually just showed up and knew my lines. I didn't do any of our actor BS like humming, 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 all that stuff on set. I stayed.
0: <laughs> <out>. <laughs> you didn't let us watch an actor prepare.
1: <laughs> right, I didn't do that. I knew myself. and when I when I showed up, I was ready. Well, I think what we forget as actors is and this is a business. And when we're on there, where's my motivation and all that stuff? That stuff later. That We we should have done that before we got to set. And so when I got to set, I've saved you a ton of money. I'm going to know my stuff. I'm going to get do it, and I'm going to leave, and I'm not going to be needy. I'm not going to be like, did you guys get? No, know my stuff and leave. And so when they came up to me at the end of season two, and they said to me, Duan, we're imagining a world with more of Pierce in it. And I said, I've been imagining that world too. (laughs) It was just great. And I got out.
0: Yes. Oh, I love this. So what did you do to show up on set prepared? Like, I love a nitty gritty. Like, tell me, do you like to run your lines? Do you like to take them for a walk? Do you like to like, like, let's get detailed for you to be prepared for being on set. What does that mean?
1: I think everybody's going to have their own version of this. But for Dewan, <laughs> I'm talking about myself that way. Ooh,
0: third person. <laughs> right? On, okay. right?
1: <laughs> for me, because this was a big moment for me, right? And I think all of them can be, and they are. The way I always prepare is I'm going to set already knowing my lines already knowing what i'm going but not what i'm going to do but like what's pierce's like as you said secret what are we like what am i who am i the relationship who am i in scene with what do i think about that person all of that stuff is important because it brings different layers for them as writers as producers they get to see that i have a little bit of a thing with titus you know and it's it's But that is only created by, of course, the great writing, but also you've done the little bit of that nitty gritty stuff before you get to set. We can't just show up to set and be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is going to be spontaneous and stuff like that. I think there is an element of you need it to be fresh and it needs to come out, but we cannot forget about the work. I think backstory and stuff like that gets a bad rap. Why does it get a bad rap? It gets a bad rap because actors always the actors, the A plus actors want to show you their backstory.
0: Ooh, you are calling a girl out. You are calling me out. I was known for showing my work for years. I was like, I did all the research and now you're gonna watch it. And yes. guess what? Nobody wants to watch a research paper. Literally, no one. It's so boring. And when I watch this taste back, I'm like, oh, we can see you working.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and so people are like, what do I do with this backstory? Like, the, I, I have a secret and stuff like that. That is stuff to make your performance richer. I don't ever need to see that. And so, so for me, you know, like, for example, like I, when I was in the seventh season of Bosch, I remember thinking I went to my coach, Craig Archibald, who we talked about. Oh, he's great.
0: And his book is fantastic.
1: It's so good. And so I went to him and I was like, I'm seven seasons in. Like, I was like, what do I do here? You know, or like, or when they brought me back for Boss Legacy, I was like, what do I do? And we were like, Duan, well, we know that you are the detective. So you just got to do some of this stuff. It's just a lot of, this is what we're doing. He's like, but we can create a world where you're excited inside. What's your secret? What's your stuff? And so on the outside, you all might not see all of that, but what I do on set, it helps me be fresh. It helps me have fun. And I was thinking, okay, well, where has Pierce been? We're, we're picking up like nine months later. What has Pierce been doing? Let's write a story out. Oh, he's been doing this. Oh, he feels this way. Oh, he wants. So all of that stuff, you all don't see it. But when I'm looking at Bosch in those moments, that's the stuff that's going on for me and thinking. So when we're talking about what do you do, I'm doing that stuff. And you might not know it, but you're like, oh, that's interesting. Why is the one look at him and stop like that way? That's my stuff that I'm doing. So, you know, And and I would be remiss if I didn't say your earlier question, what else do you do? I also make sure I show up on time. I also make sure that I I'm dressed when they need me to be dressed. I am ready when they say, let's go to set, all of those things. I am kind to everybody on set. I've had people on my podcast from Bosch and they just said, Duan, you were just a delight to work with. And, you know, you would send cookies at the end of the thing, you know, and just be like, Thank you so much and stuff like that. And it is just that easy. I think like what a great business move you know what I mean? Well, that's so great. We are also a business. It has to operate that way.
0: Yeah. Oh, Okay.
1: That was so much. I know. You go.
0: I know. I love this. I love knowing what people do to get ready. So that is really helpful because I do think that that, when you get to a set, speaking of like dictionary of terms and all that stuff, I did a podcast a while ago that was like, what to expect when you get to a set, because there's very little time to decide how you feel about someone and and it is your disneyland day but it is everyone else's day at work and to show up and know like this is how i feel about this person listen if it doesn't work they're gonna tell you like and do you need to like make it up from fantasy no ground it in the script and ground it in reality and ground it in the situation but have an idea you know like have Not like, hey, director, I have an idea. We should shoot this from the back. And then, no. Like, God, when we get on set, you are the top 1% of the 1%. That is so cool. And we should have an idea. I used to show up to set like a blank page. And I was like, well, I know what the words are. So I guess I'm ready. And no one told me any different. I didn't understand how to translate acting class into being on set. I also had trouble at that time translating acting class into auditioning. So... You are also a coach, so one, when did you decide to start that endeavor, and two, how do you translate work into these tiers of auditioning and being on set?
1: That's great. I believe that I am a I am a natural leader. You know, I'm a natural teacher, and it is one of those things that I have I had hid for for a while. And when I was in a moment of what else is possible. I was in this moment after the first season of Bosch. And I was thinking that I had got to set. I I had arrived. I had done six episodes of a show. This is what we've been working for. And I, and I had done like caveman and scrubs and all that stuff beforehand. I was like, this is what what I, I loved. And then something weird happened. I was in between shows and I thought to myself, is this it? Is this all it is? Like We were running for this goal. And then it was like, huh, okay, I'm here. And I thought to myself, and I just sat in meditation and I just really asked, use me. I said, use me. What else is possible? Where else would you like me to go? And that came up. And it was just one of those things where I was like, I do love working with people. I have a a graduate degree, a master's in higher education and working with students on a collegiate level. And so it was something I had already, already dove into. And then the love of acting, I got to put those two together. And it was like, it was like, great. And how did I become a mindset coach? And was just easy because (laughs) I love working on mindset. Back in college, I read a book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff and it's all small stuff. Mm -hmm. And when I believed that you could change your thoughts, your thoughts, you change your thoughts and have, a, a you could literally think a better life. I was like, I'm on, I'm in. But I was an acting coach out here in Los Angeles and I would see actors get up in front of us and do scenes. And they would do scenes and they would the first things they would say out of their mouth and i'm, I'm about to call some people out they're gonna be upset with me sam they would get up there yeah. and they would say stuff like this isn't gonna work it's already offered out or you know what i gotta get this or my agent's gonna drop me or you know like they would just bring that energy into the space and i was like if you don't change this don't be surprised when it doesn't arrive, when it doesn't come, because you've already called in that you are not going to book it. And so I wanted to work on that with my fellow actors. So that's how I became a coach.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Okay. So how do you Obviously we're doing a lot of self tapes. That is the world we live in, but then there is also this world of being on set. How do you feel like they're different or do you feel like they're the same?
1: No, they're not. And that's a, that's a big, 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 big question, right? You know, one of the things that I, you know, like you said, as, as when I'm coaching or I'm teaching or something like that, I try to codify the process. I try to codify the process because I believe that we have been walking in with the past consciousness of other actors of like, no, we just need to feel, I need to think, I just need to get on set and do that. But that doesn't help you when you're in your 11th hour on set. That doesn't help you when they're trying to get these different angles and you're like, or, or they're moving on and not giving you notes. That isn't really... Realistic, right? Yeah. And so the reason I codify that is to give you something grounded to, to go back on. And I, so I work on this process called the thinking, feeling, doing, saying process. It's it's like my own process I created. And it's like when I'm in a self tape, what I believe to be true is that the majority of the stuff that we're doing in self tapes doesn't always apply to set. What do you mean by that, Duwan? What I mean is. Right now, on uh, the self tape auditions, we are. They want to see that character, not that you can hit a mark, right? They want to see like it's it Sometimes, and I, be careful saying this, but it isn't always about the lines in your self tape audition, right? Because if you can give me a full actualized character and I can see that you understand all this stuff, that is better than somebody who's line perfect, who's hitting a mark, and their lights are green and stuff like that. Now, on set, wh- wh- how you translate that is: yes, we do need to hit marks now yes, we do need that. There's all this other stuff that's going on at play. So you carry that stuff over into to being on set. It's really important, but it's not always going to apply when we're doing a self-tape. It literally is the only time that we get to express or show our own take on it. That time that you get to do it as a self-tape. After that, whether it's a callback whether it's a a producer session or director session still in virtual or something like that, or when we get on set, now it has somebody else's hands on it, whether it's just like the grips or the lights or the director or something like that. Somebody else Mm -hmm. is doing that right now. I think it's like, great. I understand. I'm not on that camp where it's like, well, we don't have any adjustments or we don't have anything like that. We cannot be so addicted to notes. That is one of our invitations to shift here because everybody's addicted to notes, but you do not always get notes on set. And I've seen many an actor yeah. fall apart on set because they want you to say that like oh did I do great did I can I get a note here oh I guess is it right they moved on and so if we do if we do it in our prep where we're, we're trying to be like okay I don't need all these notes how do I feel about this am I am I am I um, dancing with my partner my scene partner am I did I do what I want to do here when I look it back at, uh, on self tape it's just a lot of that stuff I can go on you can tell I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So you're saying self-validation is something we could potentially add to our to-do lists.
1: Wow. Summed it up in a word, huh?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, I will say that it was a gift that I started booking more post-COVID in that time. Don't tell
1: anybody that. Don't tell anybody that. I know.
0: Don't tell. It's a secret. (laughs) She was really messy and she's finally started to figure out who she is. And guess what? After you book for a while, then you stop booking for a while and then it comes back around again. And that is the gift. Or The Obstacle, however you choose to look at it. So in working in a lot in COVID, I would be on these sets and directors. Like when I I did an episode of The Orville and Seth MacFarlane directed it. And we were probably never within 10 feet of each other Mm -hmm. because he was also starring in the show. And it was during a big COVID time. And so he was masked. He was way back from everyone else. He was like, everything was over a speakerphone. I got barely any direction.
1: Yeah.
0: And... I just had to assume that based on the people I was around and the feedback I was getting from taking the temperature of the room, that I was doing the best I could and I was killing it. And that's what I decided. <laughs> and that's that's all I had, you know?
1: What if you didn't have that? Like, what if you, it sounds like you had enough inside of you to be like, okay, I'm going to you know, wrangle this emotions and feelings and I'm going to yeah. think, I'm going to choose to think that. It sounds like that's what you're saying, but what if like actors don't have, you know, what Sam has?
0: Oof. I mean, I didn't have what Sam has right now for a very long time. And that is, but honestly, that's where I always think of leaning on community and leaning on your people and whether your community is your parents, your significant other, your actor friends, your therapist, your whoever you go to, to like unpack stuff with and repack it as needed. I think that is a time in which, like, you have to build up the tools in which to trust yourself in those scenarios. The first time you go to set, are you going to feel like a million bucks when you leave? 50-50. I don't know. You might go home and be like, I have no idea what I just did. I completely blacked out. You're going to get there, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. not your last time on set. And you have to give yourself that, conveni- that wiggle room. Because if you're 22 and you just started booking, I mean... I hope that you want to do this for another 50, 60 years. So you're going to be on a lot more sets, you know, like this is not the end all be all. Cause maybe you were like, do you want a coffee with that? Didn't come yeah. out as you wished yeah. the first time. Cause also um, your shit's always going to be filmed last when you're a co-star and you're going to have said your line to yourself all day long. And it's going to yeah. be 12 hours. And by the time they turn the cameras around on you, you're going to forget what the line is.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, And one of the cool things about like that also is, as a guest star, or as being on a show, we you know that I was on. My stuff was up first, mm-hmm. right? Because I was up against, I was up with Titus, and so Titus was watching what I'm doing, so he can be reacting to, and he's going to give an awesome performance instead of me him giving the performance first. Like I mean, that's just the way it probably always like played out. So he can warm up into it. He's number one. So you don't know where you're going to fall on that 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 thing. Sam, I just want to say that there is a little bit more freedom in self tapes, like what you were just saying, because again. We, we we're not worried about the movement so much like if, yeah. if i'm on set i can't shift if there's a camera over my shoulder like in self-tapes i'm just worried about this this character and this other person in my scene and i'm doing that it's just a little bit more of them i think we're giving ourselves credit for because we're yeah. jumping on the bandwagon and we're hearing what other people are saying is like now we have to be the director or the light person and all that well what if you took all that stuff away and you hugged it What if you took all of that away and you leaned into self-tapes? There were a lot of times I went in person, you all, and I paid a lot of money from coaches and I still didn't book it, in person.
0: Yes, and don't get me started on fluorescent lighting (laughs) and the guy with the camera who'd say, I'll follow you, don't worry about the framing. What the fuck does that mean? If I lay on the floor, are you following me? I need to know, (laughs) I hated that. Or like, there were some offices, do you remember the commercial offices where they would have a screen? And you could kind of see what they were doing with the camera because the screen would be tilted a little funky. So you could see almost like video village style. I was like, don't look at yourself. Don't look at yourself. Don't look at
1: yourself. If we could have the perception of the odds we had, I'm using that word on purpose. If we could have the perceived odds that we thought we had when we went into the room with the ease and comfort of self-tapes, I don't think we would have this this conversation.
0: I actually, so I went to a callback recently in person and it was a lovely reminder of the people that are also auditioning with me, because this role was super specific. It was like Sandy blonde hair, Midwest look, da 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 da. And like I walked in, and I was like, holy shit, there's 25 of me in this room. And it's been three or four years since I sat with 25 of me in the same room. And this was the callback. So I was like, this is the cream of the crop. So that means that there was like 175 of me somewhere out there. And it made it so much, it was such a reminder to make it so much less personal when I don't hear anything back from a tape. And I know some actors get really concerned about hearing back from tapes, but like, I just, I, I have had to build up a thick enough skin to be like, that was the tape and I have to move on because I cannot fight that fight. I cannot, I have lots of other battles in my life. I have to keep moving. The audition was the audition. We got to keep going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I hear it and I want to, you know, hold space for all the actors, what you're feeling is valid. You know, mm-hmm. but I keep hearing like we need, we need, we want to go in there so we can get adjustments. We want to go in there. So, and I was like, if you were, if your idea was these people are going to coach you into a better actor or coach you into a booking, I think you missed it. I think you, you missed it. I want to hold space for that, but I also want to say that wasn't the job. The job was to go in there, leave an awesome taste in their mouth and leave.
0: What have you seen with actors that you have worked with or for yourself that has been made significant strides in how they feel about their work? Not just they book, right? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really care about that because I know the odds are at this point, but what has made significant differences in their work and maybe their mindset too?
1: I think it's all about mindset. I think it's all about mindset. It's all about like, do you feel that you've done the best you could with those sides? That's it. At that moment, that is it. And what are you, so the lead up working, making sure that you have an incredible process up front. So from the point appointment to submission, I feel like this was tight. I did my very best on that, whether it's getting with a coach, whether it's getting with another working actor and just whatever that is, I, when I hit submit, it's great. I'm good. And I think the other part of that is what is your after audition game look like? You know what I mean? It used to be when we we're in person, throwing your sides away. I still think it's the same thing. Recycling your sides. Don't hold on to them. Don't let your mind or your gremlin say, no, 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 but we'll hold on just in case we get a, a call back. Let that stuff go. I What I love to do is I love to be like, just take, it takes three seconds, three to five seconds to Just say, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that role. And just sitting there for a second, closing your eyes, deep breath, letting it go, and then move on and then go. And I think by doing that, I have, and also my clients I've worked with, it just, you release it. We, we thanked it. We've thanked that moment and we moved on. And I'm not going to lie. There are parts what I got pinned for, or that I, I really wanted before. And I'm like, gosh, I wish I'll revisit sometimes, but I also have that process to go back to. Nope. We're good. We're good.
0: Yeah. I hope anyone listening is hearing that once again, real big cruise ship, we're taking this took a while to get to right that takes some time to get to that mentality i have two remaining topics i want to hit one is your life as a person you have kids you have a partner you have a career you have a business <laughs> yeah, yeah can you tell me what a day in your life is like and or how you manage your time
1: mm, how i manage my time Gosh, I'm laughing you all because it's like, it's like a constant crap show. It is. It and is.
0: you have a podcast. Like it's,
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, all of that stuff is, I, I, I want to also give your, give you you a little bit of credit. I love what you're doing. You're going back and you're saying to people like, it's okay where you are and it takes a long time to get there. But I think one of the things that you do really well with your podcast, and I hope I do with mine, is you, we're helping people skip the line here. We're helping them truncate that time and those feelings so that you don't have to figure this out like we did. Like you said, I was on set. You're like, oh, right. Sam said that this is how I would feel. So we can skip to that place in line where we're kind of like, now I just breathe through that. So I wanna make sure I just give you a little, your flowers here and say that don't sell yourself short. What you're doing is really, really, really important. And we're not turning the ship around. We're actually just course correcting here. Mm-hmm. So like little tweaks that were course correcting so you can get to your destination faster. Right. And, and I want to wave
0: at you from my ship and say like, <laughs> I'm out here. I'm out here stranded too. Don't you worry. You're not alone. <laughs> that's yes. my goal. Thank you. So that's that's very, that's I so just sweet. Want, Thank you so I just much. want to make
1: sure we say that for that, but you know, about my day, you all, I laugh because I get this question so often when people are like, how do you do it all? And I say, not well.
0: same same and i don't have kids so i don't know know how you do it
1: (laughs) you know and i just have to prioritize what is really important to me and you know one of the things that people don't see about Dewan is i have a team of people that are sitting at this table with me that are like you know whether it's my invisible team or it's my real team i have a team of people my kids come first my family comes first and so i work up until about Three o'clock after this podcast, I will go pick up my kids and then I have to be dad and homework and in that world. Then around eight o'clock when my kids go to bed, I make sure that I am available for my husband. You know what I mean? I want to make sure that that is that's where we spend a little bit of time. And then I'm in bed because like like this morning, I'm up at 5 a.m. to go to yoga at 545 because that's where I have to get yoga in. But that time from eight till about 2:30, that's where I'm working on my acting you know, or what I'm working on, if I'm going to be doing something in that world, self-taping, or I am coaching, or I am building programs, or I am podcasting. But the cool thing about that is, as long as we start to re- figure out how we can prioritize this, we're good. That is where we want to be. We want to make sure that we are, this is what comes first. I am very, very, very aware of that. And we just have to protect our plate protect our plate. People come out of the woodwork and they want to be like, I want you to do this and I want to do that. That's flattering. But if it's not a kid in a baseball game, that's where most of my energy is going (laughs) right now.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful though. You have found a way to utilize your non-booking, quote unquote, non-auditioning time to technically add to your career plate in a way that Mm -hmm. might look different than other people's. But you're talking to people in the business. Like, I, that's how I feel about doing this podcast. Like, I could talk about acting for forever. I could do this yeah. all day long. And sometimes this is what checks my actor box for the day. And same with coaching. I'm sure you feel, I mean, you're putting on sides, you're thinking about character and you're like actively working with actors. You built a life that's good to go for your career, but also complements
1: it so well. Thank you for that. Yeah. I put a reel out recently where I was just saying that. I think it's a toxic, toxic statement that acting coaches and theater coaches and everybody coaches say to you that, you know, if you can do anything else besides acting, go do that. I think that's it's like, saying, yeah, <laughs> I think it's like one of those things is like, well, we can do more things in one, you know what I mean? We, we can actually do these things and be good at acting as well, you know? And so I, I think one of my callings is, has always been to show up to show up as a, to show up as a, as a coach, as a teacher, as an actor, but also show up as a dad. And so I want to do all that stuff. I can't, I don't have to choose.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I hate, I have an episode coming soon. That's all about the phrase, like going all in on acting. It puts a certain taste in my mouth, as you said, and I hate it (laughs) because I'm like, what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? Does it mean you're in 17 classes? What are you getting out of those classes? Like what I, I, it's a vibe and I want to talk about it, but. I think that having things that complement your life is, is, is so big. And I just feel like you do it really well.
1: I think people walk around with the badge of honor. They're like, I heard I got to put 10,000 hours into my career. And, and I'm always like, who is keeping track? Can somebody show me their leaderboard? Where, how many hours are you at? I know for a
0: while. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I've seen that so many times and I'm like, who said it's like this 10,000 steps thing. Have you done the research on that? Because it's very vague, very vague. I recommend Maintenance Pays. Maintenance Pays is a great podcast. They have a great episode about that. I would love to talk about the fact that you're a black gay man in this business who potentially plays straight roles as well because it's two demographics that I am not involved in. And so... And I like to, you know, I know some people who keep like their sexual preferences very private and things like that. And so I've gotten questions from actors, especially before, who tell me, hey, I'm gay and I struggle to decide whether I should come out or is it going to hamper my roles? And I don't have an answer for that. How did you deal with this in your career?
1: again not well right but I think everybody gets to the, the place where they where they want to personally and I want to be very clear upfront that nobody should out anybody and that you should only come out when you're ready right? And whatever your process is, that is nobody else's business. And so I'll say that up front to anybody listening to this. You know, one of the things that was said to me early on in this industry by an acting teacher, by an actor that I should hide my sexuality. And I went around for so incredibly long, a very popular acting teacher in town. I Um, bet I know who it is.
0: You can tell me afterward.
1: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And I did for a while. And I thought that it it brings so much shame, so much secrecy. Like I didn't know. And I was like, ah. And then finally, I remember one of the turning points was I saw a lot of black gay men on television that did not, I did not feel like represented my life. And I was like, well, I want to tell my story of the way I am. And so I went out there and I booked like this YouTube series, regular like role, and I got to tell it my way. And I just promised myself that I would just live in truth of that. I don't feel like I have to lead with it. You know what I mean? I feel like Mm -hmm. we do get a little bit of the Beyonce where you get to have a personal life where it just is like, this is what's going on. But I live my life extremely open. I have a husband. I have two kids, my family, my parents. Everybody knows it's just as one of those things. I don't wear it also as a badge of honor that I think a lot of my friends are like, oh, you are straight acting on TV. And I'm like, I'm actually just playing that character, <laughs> you know, I'm stepping into that. That is who I am. I, I'm not a detective. You know, you know that, right? I'm not, I'm not really a <laughs> just, I'm Wait, not a, you're not
0: a part of the LAPD. This is headline news.
1: <laughs> I just think it's really, it's really, so it's 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 important. And I think it's important for us to, on set, when I talk about it, I I, I just, I'm open. But again, if you do not feel comfortable about that, do not do it do not do it. Because one of the things that I don't think people think about coming out is coming out is a every freaking day process for me. It is not something that I've done once. It is literally, I have to say it over to all my castmates. It is something I, when I go to, it, it just is something we do all the time. And so um, if you're not ready for that, don't do it. If you're worried about your team or whatever, don't do it. It's not a big deal. I'll just, li- I'll leave it here. I'm so emotional about this thinking about it i got on a team my team now knows everything about me and it is so liberating it is so freeing i remember i wrote to my my agent and i said the roles that are coming down right now seem so dialed in to me not only as a black gay male but just as a black male like as a a gay like all of it you're hitting all the boxes i feel like you see me And I didn't feel like, so that's a little bit of me stepping into who I am. And it's also, it feels like you're just being open and honest with everybody around you so they can also see you too. And they didn't just put me in a box. I still went out for quote unquote straight things, but I went out for all the gay roles too. And it was so wonderful. It was so wonderful.
0: Uh, (laughs) Ah, thank you so much for talking about that. Cause I don't think we get enough of that conversation and the private life of an actor I think is especially the lines are blurrier these days because we're encouraged to exist on social media and we're encouraged to be ourselves, but also maintain this like pretty shiny image. So maybe that like Disney wants to cast you as this and that and like Disney ever listen to this podcast and be like, this girl talks like she works in a bar still, like this is never gonna work out, you know? So it's like, how do you, like what sides of yourself do you decide to share with the world is really no one's business but your own. Great. If you feel empowered to find a team that does that kind of thing, that looks and sees and gets to know you, that is such a gift of being in this business long enough to know yourself and know exactly the type of people you want to work with. I just want to thank you for coming here and sharing because you're an open book about yourself. Anybody with a podcast, you kind of have to be. Your offset fizzles, <laughs> but you are so good about bringing yourself to any space and. I am so glad for social media at times like these because I don't know if I would have found you. The world works in mysterious ways and I think you're a gift to actors. I think your joy and the things that you stand for and talk about are really important. And man, I hope you book a thousand billion more episodes of some shit. No. I, I wish you, so I, I I really like watching you work. My By the way, my husband's family, number one Bosch fans in the world. They're going to be thrilled that we had this conversation. But I really, I really value your intention and how specific you are with what you do. And thank you so much for taking some of your time to be with us today.
1: Thank you for having me, Sam. Thank you so much. And I hope to see you on set.
0: (laughs) He pulled a coffee back. We have props. If you guys didn't see that, you should watch it on YouTube. (laughs) I love it.